Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sport the Law on Breakfast with Bossy and Brandy. For Bryden's lawyers, let our team of professionals help with your legal matter. Plenty to sink our teeth into with this gentleman, uh, Lee Hadjapantelis. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Julian. Good morning, Julissa. Happy to be with you. Uh, likewise. The Rugby League headlines, of course, Lee, dominated by this, well, for want of a better expression, friendly wrestle between mates Latrell Mitchell, Jack Whiten. Whiten has been charged by ACT police with fighting in a public place and failing to comply with an exclusion direction. Latrell Mitchell charged with resisting territory public official along with fighting in a public place, failing to comply with an exclusion direction. I believe he had an affray charge as well. Many, Lee, have suggested this whole affair is a storm at a teacup, just some some tomfoolery between two besties. Others are saying we can't play down the seriousness of it, given the charge has been laid. So how serious are these charges? Uh, potentially very serious. We'll know where the truth lies, of course, when the matter comes before the court. Uh, the police will put forward its brief of evidence. There'll be witness statements and the like. I'm sure there'll be some video evidence floating around as well. And the magistrate will determine on the balance of the evidence available as to whether or not the charges have been established. So, I mean, you can't dismiss these things. As I say, the narrative that's being pushed at the moment, that this was just a wrestle that got out of hand. Uh, but it was sufficient enough to warrant the involvement of the police and for the laying of criminal charges. Now, the police, of course, will come along and on the evidence available to them will determine on a prima facie basis whether or not criminal charges should be laid. They obviously de- determined as such, uh, and the courts will now sort out where, where the truth lies. Um, Lee, I think a little bit, people are a little bit cons- uh, confused sometimes about the fact that the police lay the charges, don't they? Because some people said to me yesterday, well, why are they laying charges against each other? But that, that's just not how it works. How much say would someone have um, in that? Uh, no, you're right, Julissa. It's the police who actually lay the charges on the information that's available to them at the time. These, these players haven't laid the charges against each other. The police will determine, as you say, there's a, there's a slight differentiation also in the charges that have been laid. Latrell's been charged with a fray, for example, and Jack Whiten hasn't been, so they would have had information available to them. A fray is a relatively serious charge. It's involves the use or threatened to use unlawful violence towards another person. So they must have had evidence available to them to suggest that that, that charge can be substantiated. So, uh, yeah, so as I said, the engagement of the police and the laying of these charges indicates that it's, you know, it's, it's potentially more serious than what we, what we think. Reports as well uh, from some eyewitnesses that perhaps the behaviour by ACT police was maybe a little over the top. Would that come into it? when they front the magistrate's court at all, eyewitness accounts? Uh, no, that's, that's usually dealt with as a separate issue. What the magistrate will do is determine their behaviour on its merits, and then they perhaps can have a look at the police conduct separately. Uh, the other thing, Julian, that should be noted is that this, this catch-all of resisting arrest, people should be very careful with that because uh, resisting arrest can stand, you can be found guilty of that, even though the, more, the primary charges of a fray or uh, failure to move on fail, not proven or withdrawn. So even if, even if the, ultimately it's established by the court that you are not guilty of the affray or fighting in public, you can still be found guilty of resisting arrest. Resisting arrest, so what would that entail? How, why, how would they have arrived at, at that particular charge? 
Uh, it doesn't take much to resist arrest. If the police are executing, as I say, an arrest at the time, they're allowed to use reasonable force. If there is pushback by the person being arrested, refuses to cooperate, for example, that in itself can constitute a, a um, resisting arrest. So it doesn't take very much. It doesn't have to be a scuffle or throwing a punch or anything of that kind. If you fail to comply with the lawful direction, refuse to be allowed to be handcuffed, that can constitute resisting arrest. And the exclusion direction, that's failure to move on. Is that correct? That's correct. That's the terminology used in Canberra. That's why, as I say, when they were, I think from my understanding, when they were arresting um, Latrell and Jack White and refused to move on, then they charged him with that offence as well. From your angle, what's the latest with the CBA um, negotiations? I know you, um, I know you'd be sort of around that, uh, but it seems to have gone a bit quiet. Uh, which is not a bad thing, Julissa. I understand there has been mm. movement at the station. Uh, it was widely reported last week that there was a lockdown of sorts between representatives of the RLPA and the NRL. And that was Andrew Abdo, and I think it was over three days. It was widely reported also that Andrew was going to address uh, representatives of the RLPA, the delegates, which I think is a very, very positive uh, move so that the delegates are fully um, informed as to the state of the negotiations and the respective position of the parties. I know the CEOs were addressed recently as well. Andrew Abdo was there again. He's been very busy, very active in this space, uh, uh, particularly about the women's game. So I think there is progress. I like the fact that it's being dealt with quietly. I think there's more progress than that. Remove all the emotive language and all the ego and all the drama and just get down to the business of solving it. Sorry, just quickly, Ali, back to the, the White and Latrell situation. A couple of people yeah. on the text line have asked why they haven't been stood down from the NRL All-Stars game. Can you give them a, a clear answer on that? Uh, no. Uh, that's an inquiry that should be directed to the NRL. There is precedent, though. I mean, we had an incident last year, of course, with Payne Haas and Albert Kelly, uh, something similar in a sense. Uh, the difference, though, was that the police were not engaged in that. The NRL did intervene and stood those players down for one game and... Um, uh, find them. I suspect that the NRL is taking a very pragmatic approach at the moment uh, on two bases. Firstly, allow the criminal proceedings to play out, and there is precedent for that. And secondly, uh, they do have a very high-profile game on the weekend, uh, which has already suffered with the withdrawal of a number of players. Uh, I think they decided that it wouldn't be good if these two weren't, mm. weren't there either. Uh, so I think that's probably the justification for it. Well, I think about Taylor May, the Panthers winger last year. He had a two-match suspension, but that was uh, deferred, so he could play in the finals. Now, Nick Kyrgios, um, speaking of the ACT, had an assault charge dismissed by a magistrate after he pleaded guilty to or shoving his ex-girlfriend back in 2021 in front of the ACT magistrate court uh, last week, I think it was. A bid to have the assault charge thrown out in mental health grounds was rejected. Uh, what does this mean for Nick in terms of being able to go overseas and, and play in other countries and the rest of it? Uh, very interesting, Julian, because it, it would have been dealt with under the equivalent of Section 10 of the Crime Sentencing Procedure Act, which allows the court to find the offender guilty, uh, but discharges the matter without recording a conviction. Now, in relation to such a, an instance, the court must be satisfied uh, concerning the person's character, uh, takes into account criminal history, age, health, mental conditions, etc., etc., but also the level of triviality of the offence, extenuating circumstances, etc., now, in this instance, this common assault charge was in a domestic violence situation. So ordinarily, they, that would be a little bit more difficult to get a Section 10 than, say, a common assault between two fellows in a pub on a Saturday night. 
But when you travel, as you know, and you fill in visa applications, it always asks, you know, have you been found guilty of an offence? Mm. Well, or have you been convicted of an offence? You'd have to look very carefully at the language of the question. If the question is, have you been found guilty of an offence? Well, the answer is yes, he was found guilty. But has he been convicted of an offence? The answer would be no, because no conviction is recorded. And that's the benefit of one of these Section 10 findings. But it, look, you know, it's a matter of public record now, of course, that this is what's occurred. He can't deny it. And it would be a matter for you know, relevant authorities to determine whether or not there's any significance in it for the purpose of him travelling. Is that an unusual finding, do you think? Uh, I would think it would be, it's less likely in a domestic violence situation to get a Section 10 uh, than it would be in other situations. Mm, interesting. Um, just moving on to uh, back on the field, do, a bit of a question without notice. John Bateman, we've heard that, um, well, we've read that Tim Sheehan says that he isn't injured. Um, I'm just wondering, what's the holdup with the, the visa uh, application? Uh, exactly that, Julius, of the visa. I mean, there are three parties that I understand. It is John, of course, his wife and the child uh, okay. have to be dealt with. You, you've got to go through a, a vigorous process, of course, to get one of these working visas. It's not a tourist visa. It's a working visa. Uh, the timing of it was most unfortunate, of course, over the Christmas New Year break, both here and in England. They're going through that process. They've got lawyers engaged. They've got um, assistance elsewhere as well through diplomatic channels to try and get the visas pushed through. Uh, but just, you know, I mean, there are no extenuating or exceptional circumstances. John just has to wait in line like everyone else does, which is fair enough. Um, and then once, once the visa is granted, there's no doubt that it will be granted. And once it's granted, he'll be on the plane the next day. Uh, but as I say, it's a, it's a situation where you're dealing with a family that's being uprooted and being brought over on a working visa as opposed to a tourist visa. So that's, that's all. It's just, just bureaucratic and procedural. Does that sort of slow the, does the process kind of slow down a little bit when you've, I imagine he's already had a working visa um, because of playing here in Canberra. Is that anything to do with it? Oh, no, they will take that into account, but he's had that before, and there would have been no breaches of that visa, which obviously puts him in good stead to get another one. Yeah. Uh, but he's got to go through the process again, you know, and then mm. and there's a very complicated process where he gets registered uh, for the visa purpose. Once the registration's available, we mm. can then register him here with the NRL. Very complicated process. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee, a few Tigers it'll, fans. It'll get done. Lee, a few Tigers fans want to know if Mitchie Moses is going to be there in 2024. <laughs> oh, geez, another question. Big one without notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, Julian. Uh, look, <laughs> all I can do is reiterate um, Tim's public comments that yeah. there were discussions. Um, I, I can take it no further than that. Um, uh, he's a wonderful young man, a wonderful young player. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as I say, that's that's left to others at the moment to to deal with, and um, you know, uh, if opportunities yeah. arise, of course they will be considered on their merits. Sorry, I was just being a bit facetious. Apologies, Lee. Uh, Anthony Mundine. This that's is interesting. Okay. Um, you know, I, I read this story today about Manchester City and potential for them to have points deducted or worst case scenario expelled from the Premier League over all sorts of finance breaches. Anthony Mundine said in the newspapers on the week, and he was paid under the table by the Broncos. Um, is there any implication from something like this, given it happened so long ago? Does it paint, I guess, the those who are running the club at the time in a bad light? Oh, look, I suppose it does. I mean, it may just confirm what many people have suspected for many, many years. I mean, I think this goes back to 1997, doesn't it? It's a long, long yeah. time ago. So from the current NRL administration's perspective, this is just historical in nature. But when I was considering this for the purpose of today's chat, I just I did have a look at something did strike me. And that was having a look at the the Australian tax office rules. Now, yes. as you know, in Australia we have a we, yeah we have a self assessment system which provides that people you know fill in their own tax returns and lodge them, or with the assi- the assistance of an accountant perhaps. 
And if there is a rather simple uh, self-assessment undertaken, then the ATL has up to two years to seek a reassessment for any particular reason. For a more complex tax return, it's four years. However, there is a note here that if, in the case where the Commissioner forms an opinion of fraud or evasion, there is no time limit for amending an assessment. So Anthony's public declaration may have come to the attention of the tax office, who will go back and have a look at his 97-98 tax return to see whether or not these payments were declared. So as I said, so the only implication I think uh, at the moment for Anthony would be that. From the NRL's perspective, this is a brand new administration, which was, wasn't even in, in existence in 97. Mm. So it would have no jurisdiction over, over such a declaration. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? He said, I've got a $100,000 sign-on fee with Super League, 350000 a season with the Broncos over three years. He said, the first mm. season I got 750000 all up. But he did say, once I paid tax, I had enough to buy my house in Sydney from one season of footy. So he did say he paid tax, uh, but if they delve more, anyway, yep. we'll, we'll leave that as it stands. Uh, leave Lee, that to the others. Correct. Always good to get your thoughts out. Uh, thank you so much, Lee, Thanks, for your Lee. contribution to the program over summer. We look forward to hearing you when Vossie and Brandy return next week. I tell you what, the Tigers fans well, are excited, Lee. They're tweeting me all the time. No, no more excited than we are, Julie. Let me tell you, we're, uh, we're off to New Zealand tomorrow to watch the first trial. I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, no, no, I think... Um, We've ticked a lot of boxes, but where, where we land in the season remains to be seen. But the, it won't be through lack of effort. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lee. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Vossi and Brandy here. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget, you can listen live to the show every weekday morning from 6 till 9. Tune in through 11.70am in Sydney or anywhere in the world through the SEN app.